Hello and welcome to Straight Talk, Supply Chain Insights, the podcast for your supply chain leader who is on the go and wants to be in the know. And now, your host, Laura Sassiri. Welcome to Straight Talk with Supply Chain Insights. This is the podcast for supply chain leaders who want to be in the know and understand what the paths of innovators look like and what people are doing. Today, I'm interviewing Stephen Downey, and Stephen is with the Cleveland Clinic, and I've known Stephen now for about a decade, and I consider him to be a leader in healthcare. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, Laura. Pleasure to be here. Tell the group a little bit about yourself, your career in supply chain, and what you're working on these days. Yeah, happy to. Started as an electrical engineer, which there aren't too many of us that started in as an engineer and went to supply chain, but... I've been in the commercial side, and I'm one of the few who's probably gone through the spectrum of perspectives. I was at a manufacturer. I did supply chain. I did commercial functions. I went to a third-party logistics company, ran the healthcare segment. I've been at a GPO, and now I've been in a health system. So I have a somewhat unique perspective of kind of all the views, which I think is both good and bad. I get some of the great parts and also some of where the challenges are. I have twin boys. I was born in England, little known fact, which most folks don't put electrical engineer in England together either, but happy to be here today. So I so enjoyed watching the 70th Jubilee in England. It was so good to see the positive (laughs) spirit, right? We have so much negative happening in the news. So yeah, let's go. So Stephen, you're going to be speaking at the Supply Chain Insights Global Summit in September And we're very excited to have you. And the focus of the summit is the future, looking forward to supply chain 2030. And you're going to be speaking about healthcare and what you think healthcare looks like. And I write a lot about how today's healthcare systems are focused on efficient sickness, not necessarily wellness. And the issues that we have because pharmaceutical companies are struggling to step up on supply chain excellence and as our med device companies. And I think we're still trying to define the channel with GPOs and, you know, hospitals are struggling. So tell us your perspective on supply chain 2030 and what you think the lay of the land is. Absolutely. Happy to. And I'll tell you, Laura, your help over that past decade has been amazing. I have come to you with so many different questions from how do we take healthcare into more of trusted environment to technologies to just let me talk through a problem and you've always been there to help me. So I I think one of those is how do we go from reactive to proactive? It applies to healthcare. It applies to supply chain how do you do more of you know not sick care but health care? And I think what we're seeing today, even with home technology and monitoring and nutrition, is all about moving from that sick care to to healthier views and trying to really just be proactive in that care, maybe intervene sooner. That's one of them that jumps out at me. I think we're going to be much more data powered. And, and with that becomes an overwhelming amount of data. So it leads you to AI enabled. How do you sort through that data to really translate and hit the important parts again in supply chain, but also in general healthcare? You think of the overwhelming amount of data clinicians have to sort through, and it's always going to have that clinician aspect. I think that personal aspect of Yes, we can translate data. Yes, we can enable the AI, but you have to convey and message and sympathize and empathize that. So there's always that 
personal approach that's going to come with it. I think we're going to get more personal, that more information, gene level, protein interactions, personalized data, our heart monitors, our wrists and such, all of that personal information is going to generate some really complex system dynamics. And think about the measures between gut health and mental health and all those dynamics. How do you use all that at the individual level? And so with all of what I said, supercomputing and AI, how do you lay that in to solve the healthcare side? I think we're going to continue to see easier access to care, more to the home, more to the community, more virtual, and we're going to make care easier to access overall. We see that in all industries that the easier to consume, like e-commerce, that takes off. So we saw it in virtual health through the pandemic. The more we see care move to easy access, closer, easier, the better. Again, for the care side, which is also going to translate into how do you solve that operationally? There's a lot of complexity to solve that. And lastly, I would say scaled. You know, the top five health systems are still just 2% of the care in the U.S. So there's a lot of potential to scale and all industries end up moving to that kind of scaled mentality. We can do better at scaling faster, easier, and bringing that kind of growth and care And I've seen that as I work for the Cleveland Clinic, the amazing capabilities we have, you want to bring that to more people. You want to scale that closer. I think those are a number of things we'll see in the future. Steve, not everybody knows about the Cleveland Clinic. And, you know, I personally had a very narrow view. You know, you're working in global uh, healthcare expansion. And so tell the group a little bit about your job in the Cleveland Clinic, just to ground them for the discussion. Yeah, happy to. So, Cleveland Clinic, 19 locations, global organization, 77,000 employees. We have a concentration of health systems in Northeast Ohio and over and also in Florida and a growing group of locations in Florida. We have locations in Nevada, Canada. Uh, We have Abu Dhabi and just recently opened in London. And so we are a global organization about 6,500 beds. The supply chain side, about 4 billion in spent, about 1,700 employees taking care of uh, 2,000 plus inventory locations, hundreds of thousands of items to get through that. The care side, we're continually ranked in the top five uh, for care, number one heart program globally for uh, like 20 years. So well-renowned, which brings an incredible pressure to execute, but an incredible privilege to be part of. I'm so excited you're there. You know, as we think about healthcare, what are your challenges today? Yeah, a lot. So keeping up with, with labor has been number one. And so the trying to make sure we have staffing across clinicians, across, we call all our our team members caregivers. So clinicians, physicians, pharmacy tech, supply chain, nutrition, all of that. There are so many times that we run into a challenge and we say, let's do X and we don't have the labor to do that. And I wish we could open those beds, for example, but we don't have the nursing staff to do it. Or I wish we could aliquot this to overcome a shortage, but we don't have the pharmacy tech. So labor is definitely a challenge. We felt a tough economic pressure in the beginning of this year, having the waves of of COVID come through, which required closing of surgery, which put a lot of economic pressure. 
combine that with what's happening in inflation. So we have rising costs everywhere, and that's across construction, across supplies, everything. And you can't really overcome it because you have a, a fixed revenue that comes from patients. So your levers that you can pull, like open more um, care space, are restricted because of the labor problem. So you have all those challenges uh, combined with shortages. And we face that everywhere with clinicians facing, okay, how am I going to deliver X care um, because I don't have a product? Or how am I going to handle whatever baby formula problem we have today? So shortages ends up impacting us overall. We we are working through the shift of to more virtual care. And we had a really growing virtual presence and through the pandemic, we have a very well-renowned community benefit and we're looking to grow that. I think there's a ton of opportunity on that front. Uh, for example, our CEO committed to 50 million for lead removal in the Cleveland area. And it's amazing to think in today's day and age that lead in, in population is still around, but it's a big problem in the Cleveland area. You wanna care for the community. So how do you balance the care for the community, the care for your patients, care for employees? and still kind of grow the health system. So, Steve, you work with a very advanced provider, in my opinion, and, you know, kudos to Cleveland Clinic. And you talked about that this more concentrated form of healthcare delivery is about 2% of the healthcare market. If we look at pharmaceutical medical device companies, they're 22% margin, the average hospital's 9% margin. I think there's a lot of confusion around who the customer is and evolving supply chain capabilities in hospitals. How do we kind of fix and make this whole system better? Focus on the patient. That's what it's been for me, Laura. And I think we all are in healthcare because we care about the patients and you want to help people. You want people to have better health. So if our focus stays there, then you say, well, how do we come together to solve what we need to for that patient? How do we make sure they're best enabled to get the best care they could get? And that might be in data with maybe data normalization or data sharing. It might be better demand planning. It might be some kind of trust that we could share. Is there strategic partnerships we should build that focus on uh, clinical improvement? If you start with the patient in mind, generally from that point, all of the economics shrink to okay, how do we get to get that patient better? i uh, use an example. If we say, okay, we want to make sure all of our surgical payment patients have the best possible care. Okay, you would never run out of product for a surgery ever. You would always know what surgeries were coming up. Okay, well, if you know what surgeries are coming up, are you sharing surgical forecasts? Are you saying I have X number of cardiac procedures planned over the horizon? And here's what I have scheduled. Very few institutions are going to that level of collaboration with their supply partners. You could go even farther and say, I'll share with you what I have in inventory and what's consigned. I'll share with you my preference cards. I'll share with you what I expect my real-time schedule to be. And it becomes a real patient-focused collaboration at that point because you're just trying to make sure you have the product on the shelf. It's the same thing as trying to make sure you have a product on the shelf at a CPG, but instead it is much more about, okay, what can I trust you with and how do we together share that information? And it, it's just not there today, but 
there are everybody benefits when we do. So I, that's the way we're heading is how do you become more collaborative in that sharing? You know, I've done a lot of joint Kaizen events between medical device companies and providers. And I've also worked with GS1 around the labeling of products. Yeah. And I'm a bit more jaded, right? You know, I was doing a Kaizen event between a medical supplier, a medical device supplier, and one of your competitors and very forward-looking care center. And we talked about redefining the supply chain outside in from the patient back and improving patient care. And the salesperson from medical device community came and said to me at coffee break, we can't do that, Laura, it'll destroy my bonus structure. Yeah. And during the pandemic, you know, we only had 22% of medical device that were really compliant with GS1 standards. And I was doing a panel for a GS1 conference and the medical device company said to me, Laura, we can't do that. It's just too much cost. And I'm like, you got 21% margin, you know? I mean, how do we get the leadership to come to healthcare to drive improvements, not just in pieces of the supply chain, but outside in from the patient back? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you come at it with a with a certain perspective, it's going to be challenged. If I come at it with, let's say, I need the lowest price, then I'm just going to beat up everybody in the chain. Nobody's going to want to collaborate. And it's all going to be about driving the lowest price. And in fact, that's not even about full patient care at that point, right? It's driving right. the lowest cost of care, but it and it's the same thing if you put the, the hat on the salesperson who says, I'm just trying to maximize my price and make my bonus. And I think the the higher you rise that, the more strategic. And I, I find the higher in the organization you go, the more strategic you get. And it tends to be more driven by, okay, what would make the process more efficient? Well, the process will be much more efficient in me placing an order and receiving product and getting it to you and collaborating on a demand forecast if we have the same language. Right? How are we going to do that if we, if one of us is speaking French and one's speaking German? Well, that's where GS1 standards come in, right? You speak the same language. That's what it's about. So now we can collaborate if we call everything the same thing. Oh, well, that would be a lot easier for both of us. You mean I actually might save money by doing that? Yeah, it'll cost me in labeling, but I bet you could also justify it's going to make the, the production process more efficient because you'll be able to reduce your lot size. So if you elevate the conversation to more strategic views, I think then it becomes a more collaborative effort. And yes, there will be gives and takes on all sides. But if you approach it not with that selfish, it's about me, it's about this small part, but it's about the broader answer. You know, let's say if we needed something geographically, you know, I need something in Florida and I need something in Ohio. Okay, well, you have two distributions. The the Laura distribution network is, is two DCs. I don't want to keep inventory in two DCs. How am I going to do this? And I say, well, what if I share my demand forecast with you and I can show you my demand in Florida? And as you do your production ramps, you could spin off 20% of it and send it to Florida and the rest. And Oh, I can balance that. As long as you tell me where I'm going, I can balance it. I, you know, it became actually more of an operational conversation than it did a, a commercial one. Okay, well, then we can solve that problem. And, and I found this in my whole career. If you if you get to that point that really matters at the at the more strategic level, then generally you can get to arrangements that win for everybody. Like shortages, nobody wants to go short, right? This isn't a purposeful. I'm going to drive out product in the market. 
it's either handling a world event or handling information. Well, there's everybody plays a part in that. So how do we just work together to figure out how to avoid going short in something? And I think the key that you talked about earlier of better data and uh, outside in processes for sharing data. But Steve, you know, I celebrate the fact that you're a leader in healthcare, and I really want to call on all leaders. You know, I think back to scanning a pack of gum at the checkout. We would not have that without Sandy Douglas at Coca-Cola and Danny Wegman at Wegmans and the work by Smuckers to put barcodes on things and to change CPG. I would love to see the same leadership uh, from healthcare where pharmaceuticals and medical device and hospital and even distributors can come together to redesign it outside in and I'm not seeing that happen. So I'm hoping that one of the things that can happen out of your presentation is we can have a redefinition of leadership and redefine for the patient back. Well, if you can't tell I'm passionate on improving healthcare, Laura, and I know you are, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, together <laughs> maybe we'll be able to do this. And honestly, I have found a lot of the health systems and a lot of the distributors and a lot of the manufacturers all want to do the same thing. Everybody wants it improved. And it's the how and when and and how do we get there and which initiatives do we lean on are the problem. And I think we what we are finding is people are leaning in different areas, different ways. And if we could come to a way, I don't know, let's say OTIF, if we can find a way that OTIF is important in healthcare, it helped the supply community in CPG. It not only helped Walmart, it helped the suppliers. Okay, great. Let's bring that into healthcare. It will help everybody. Let's come to a common understanding of OTIF. Let's come to a common definition of it. Let's start to having those conversations amongst each other. And rising tide will lift all boats. We'll find that this is working for us. And by the way, when you start measuring OTIF, you start to need to measure data the same way. Oh, let's collaborate on item names. It leads you towards that same conclusion. So it, we'll pick the right few projects and the right folks will start working on them. I think we'll get there. There's there's the interest in getting there. For people that aren't supply chain, TIF is on time and in full, which is one of the major issues that we have in healthcare because it really needs to be a responsive supply chain because of sickness. Well, Steve, thanks for joining today. Last thoughts, if you're a supply chain leader in healthcare, what are the three things that you think people need to do for 2030? Trust, that's the biggest thing for me. You know, trust across the continuum, trust your caregivers, trust the data, trust the systems, manufacturers, operations. Along the way, we need a culture of trust. I think we we need more people in healthcare. I would wave a magic wand if I could and have everybody who is in some program right now start focusing on how do we turn that into healthcare and in whatever aspect that is, clinician, supply chain operations, pharmacy, anywhere, go into healthcare and help because it's the best possible way to serve. I think that would be a great way to help everybody and, and think with the with the patient in mind. If we keep that focus, I think that helps everywhere along the way. Well, thank you. And we look forward to your presentation at the summit. Until then, the Supply Chain Insights Global Summit is the first week in September in Washington, September 6th. And we look forward to seeing you there. Until next time.